Hey, I'm Christian Bucher, the associate pastor at LFC. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Well, we have uh, been in a series. This is week three in a series called Unshakable. Everybody say unshakable. And to be unshakable, it means to that it's not possible to weaken or even to get rid of. Unshakable means to, uh, it's to unable to be destroyed or even altered. Unshakable means unable to be changed, utterly firm. It means unwavering. But I like this one. Unshakable means that you are marked by firm determination or resolution, or, or, or resolution. What we have to understand is there will be some people that just call that pure out being stubborn, right? Some people will look at that and, well, that's, that's, just, being, that's just being stubborn. Well, I choose to be call, calling it unshakable. Well, last week, Pastor Christian knocked out a grand slam with the story out of Daniel 3 called uh, uh, Unshakable Results. And it was really focusing on the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. How many was here last week? Okay, put those hands up. How many missed that? How many, anybody missed that? I encourage you, go back and look at that in the archives and it, boy, it'll bless your socks off. But really, the whole premise of it was this. The unshakable results are, are this. Number one, God will deal with the enemy. You know, sometimes we feel like we need to deal with the enemy. God will deal with the enemy. We learned this, that God will give you protection. How many are thankful for the protection of the Lord over your life? But this one, man, I love this one. God will give you promotion. And some people think of that here on earth, and sometimes we get promoted here on earth, and sometimes we don't right? But one thing is for sure, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, and if you've got Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you and I one day are going to get promoted to, the, to heaven and live eternity, spend eternity with the King of kings and Lord of lords. That is a promotion. Can I get a witness in the house? Now, what we have to understand when we study God's word, we're going to give a little bit of history here. When you study God's word, you have to understand that many times when we just read through a paragraph, many times we can pass over years and even uh, uh, decades uh, of, of content because it just flies right over it. In other words, when we talked about Noah, when we first started this series, we talked about how God came down, he saw the wickedness on the earth, and he said to Noah, hey, listen, you are blameless in, in my sight. I want you to build a boat because it's going to rain. And Noah did what he was supposed to do, and then it rained, and he got in the boat. Well, a series of 70 to 100 years took place within that time frame of building the boat to where we, he got in it. So it's very important to understand that when we read through, uh, through the Bible, that there is a timeline that's involved in this. Now, when we started looking at this in, in last week in Daniel chapter 3, we were introduced to Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and God, had, God had called them. They were in captivity. 
Well, the children of Israel, what happened during this time? The children of Israel was overtaken by the Babylonians. They were captured and they were taken back to Babylon and they lived there in captivity. And they burned, they burned everything that was back in Jerusalem and everything was decimated and laid bare. Well, if you remember that during Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and stick with me, during that time that they were there, and even Daniel, there was a king of Babylon in place and his name was King Nebuchadnezzar right? King Nebi, right? According to Veggie Tales, okay? King Nebi, he was it in his reign. But did you know that this pagan king, did you know that this king who did not know God, that in that period of time when he looked into the fiery furnace and he saw that fourth man on fire and he's like, what in the world is going on? And there's no other God like him. He was introduced to God Almighty. But during that time, Did you know that he lost his mind? He actually became proud and look at all the things that have been done and he had some bad dreams and, you know, they they said, listen, King, if you'll just turn your life over to God, maybe these things won't happen. Well, he didn't and he lost his mind. But in the the end of that seven-year period where he lived like an animal out in the wilderness, fingernails growing long. He literally lived like an animal. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 4, after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned and I praised the wor- and worshiped the most high and honored the one who lives forever. Isn't that interesting? A pagan king turned his heart to God and he says this, his rule is everlasting, his kingdom is eternal. All the peoples of the earth are not, they are not compared. They can't compare to him. Uh, and he does as he pleases among the angels of heaven, among the people of the earth, No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? And then it said this, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. He was, as soon as he acknowledged God, everything was restored to him. He got the kingship back, the glory, the kingdom. And he says, my advisors and my nobles sought me out and I was restored. And now, verse 37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, Praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven and all his acts are just and true and is able to humble the proud. Do you understand the significance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you understand the significance? They took a stand in the middle of tyranny. They took a stand in the middle of chaos and corruption, they took a stand. And now, many years later, that same king that was ready to throw them and destroy everyone that didn't bow down and worship that statue that he had set up when the music started playing, that same king came to know God. Do you understand that? That is that just does not happen. A pagan kingdom comes in and it's it's destruction and it's annihilation. But see, God has a way of getting to the hearts of those who are in high places. And can I submit to you today, we're so worried and we're so aggravated and we're so frustrated with the things that are going on in the world today. Can I tell you, it's high time that we stop griping and complaining about what's going on, hit our knees and start praying and call 
calling out to the King of Kings, calling out to the Lord of Lords and watch a nation be turned inside and upside down for the kingdom of God. God can change the heart of any person. Look at your neighbor and say, that's true, including you. (laughs) Some of you get that here in a second. Now, after this time, and we're going to get to the meat of this. After this time, kingdoms are set up and there there was just kind of craziness in Babylon. 42 years later. We see Babylon has fallen and now there's a new sheriff in town and his name is King Darius, right? According to VeggieTales, his name was King Darius, all right? Come on, go ahead and say that, Darius, all right? Now, you, now you're flowing and going now. So 42 years later, King Darius comes on the scene. Remember, the last king of Babylon, and there was many overthrows and overturns, but there's something significant that's going through that because you'll have to understand that if you keep reading and researching the scriptures, all of these pagan kings, some, some would serve God, some did not, but man, at the very last, God got a hold of the king and he sent them back. He sent them back to Jerusalem and released the captives. He set those prisoners free to go and rebuild the tabernacle. Guys, listen, that just simply does not happen without divine inspiration. So 42 years later, King Darius comes on the scene, and that's what we're going to stick with right here in Daniel chapter 6. So here we go. Darius the Mede, what he did is he divided the kingdom into 120 provinces, And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. And the king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Here, stop right there. Here's what's interesting. You know, uh, when we talk about God's word, sometimes we see how the anointing diminishes. Uh, and it, we, we see with Moses, he put a veil over his face because the glory of God was there. Well, in the New Testament, he put a veil over his face simply because that glory was diminishing over his life. I will tell you this, there are certain times and certain situations in this life that your anointing does not decrease, it increases. And there's a reason why it increases, and it increases because of you being on purpose. And we're going to see that here in just a second. But Daniel, he served those kingdoms, and God showed him favor all the way through. You understand that? You can have the favor of God, not just for a season or not just for a moment in your life. You can have the favor of God all of your life. How many want that? I want that, and I hope you do too. The Bible says this, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators in high offices. Remember, Daniel was a captive. He was a captive. He was with everybody else, but God showed him favor. Now he's up there with King Nebi, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're ruling everything. Now it's overturned by Darius. 
you would think that everyone would either be killed or destroyed so it would not disrupt the, the, the new kingdom that's come in place. Well, God shows favor and now he's right back up here again. It says this, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators to high officers because of Daniel's great ability and that ability wasn't on his own merit. The ability came from God. He fasted, he prayed. The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. You understand that? He was the top dog. But in verse four, we see something. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was always faithful always responsible and completely trustworthy. So guess what happens? They came up with a plan. They came up with a scheme. They knew they couldn't get him on any kind of character, so the only way that they could get him had to do something with his religion, had to do something with how he serves his God. Had, the only way that they could get to him, so they devised, they devised this plan. You know what the plan was? Hey, king, let's, let's, let's puff up the king here. So, hey, king, here's what we'd like to do. For the next 30 days, we're gonna honor you. We're gonna honor you. And so anybody who prays, who worships, who gives offerings, who, 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 who serves anything else, no prayers, nothing, unless it's to you, then here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna throw them in the lion's den because we want, this, this is King Appreciation Month. You tracking with me? This is King Appreciation Month, and we're going to, unless anybody does anything, unless it's you, we're going to throw them. Well, let's see, well, what can we do? Boil them in oil, skin them alive. What can we do? Throw them in prison? No, let's throw them in the lion's den. You see, the lion's den was, it was a death sentence. We knew if you go in the lion's den, you they're going to be looking for the cream filling, right? Where's the cream filling? If you get thrown in the lion's den, you are dead. So that's what these guys did. Jealousy got the best of them. They didn't like who they were with. It was getting on their nerves. And the next thing you know, hey, listen, king, no one worships you. No one worships anybody else but you because they knew they had Daniel. Y'all tracking with me? So they set up this plan. And here's where, we, here's where we see it. The unshakable, number one. The unshakable remain loyal. The unshakable remain loyal. Look at this, Daniel chapter six, verse 10 and 11. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to his God. And then the officials went together to Daniel's house. They were Facebook living. Look, here's what's going on through his windows. We got him now. 
We got him on the camera. Look at this, O king. Went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Here's what David Gusick commentary has to say about this. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he was confronted with a test of loyalties. Now stop there. I want you just to think about this. The children of Israel were bound up, taken as captives to Babylon. They go over to Babylon. God showed them unbelievable favor and merit and he put them in high places. These guys right here. Daniel became, he, he was right up there, man. Shadrach, Meshach, they ruled in a pagan land. They were given the authority to rule over, think about this, that to rule over their captors. How does that even happen? But in God's economy, all things are possible, amen? So here we have, here we have Daniel. He's loyal to the king of Babylon, King Nebi, right? And he's serving him, and they're, they're serving him faithfully. Now that kingdom is overthrown. Now Daniel, he is loyal because that's part of his character. He's, he's, he's not just schmoozing up to the boss. He's loyal because he wants her to be success because he knows that there's a God in heaven. He is serving God, but now he is loyal to the king, Right? He's, he's loyal to this new sheriff in town. But he knew he was confronted with the test of loyalty. He was a loyal subject of his king, yet he knew that the king of kings deserved a higher loyalty. And Daniel, as a result of that, he refused to give to the government the measure of obedience that belonged to God alone. He knew he knew that he had to be loyal, but he knew that his God was able, he, that he comes first. He comes first. You see, the safest thing, and I want you to write this down, the safest thing that you can do is to always stay loyal to God even when worldly risk is involved. Did you hear that? Somebody needs to write that down. The safest thing you can do is to always stay loyal to God even when worldly risk is involved. McLaren says it like this. Unless you are prepared to be in the minority and now and then to be called narrow, fanatical, to be laughed at by men because you will not do what they do but abstain and resist, then there is little chance of your ever making much of your Christian profession. I want to stop right there. Some people think that all this has to do with all the chaos that's in America. If you want to take a field trip, you can go right back to my office and you look on my marker board, the series that the Lord has laid on my heart and just begin to, to lay out. This right here has been in the works for over a year. Had no idea. And when God says release these things, you gotta release it. Is that not applicable for today? Can that not just apply to right now? 
But here's the key. In John 15, verse 4 and 5, the Bible says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you, look at your neighbor and say you, you are the branches. If you remain in me, this is a promise from God. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, here's what we have to understand. David, or excuse me, Daniel did not start praying. He had already been praying. Daniel did not start pursuing God because he had already been pursuing God. And I think what happens is in the culture that we live in, we get so numb, we get so comfortably numb, if you will, and we start to just live our life and going with the flow. Here's what happens when something takes place and we don't know what to do. We have a knee-jerk reaction and now we think, oh, now I need to start hitting my knees. Can I tell you, stop thinking that way. Start hitting your knees every single day and calling out to the king of glory so when when things happen in your life, you're not going to be shocked and you're not going to even be unshaken because God is right there by your side. He's been preparing you all along for this moment. Man, he didn't start praying. He had already been praying. And sometimes what we do is we treat prayer like a spare tire. I only pull it out when I'm in trouble. And half of us don't even know how to put the spare tire on. Triple A. Can I get someone to triple A pray for me? Think about it. Man, can you pray for me? I'm really going through something. Sometimes you need to start praying for yourself. Stop relying on other people to, to do the things that you should be doing in the first place. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody here today. Come on, if you're here with me, say, uh-huh. But it does seem like Matthew chapter 25 is just being laid out right before us right now. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 33. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and can I tell you, I expect him any moment. I'm looking up the sky. I'm like, like what? Oh, no, that was a train, okay? You know, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. You think I'm crazy, but I'm listening. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him. This is when the return of Christ is all this happens. And he will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. It seems like there's just becoming a great divide. And you can tell, you can tell the righteous from the unrighteous unrighteous. Can, are y'all with me? It just, it just be, it's, it's just becoming apparent right now. So what did he do? Daniel, the unshakable, he remained loyal. Well, so the evil, jealousy-filled men 
what did they do? They caught him. Hey, listen, I got him on video. We used to call it back on tape. Do you want to see the tape? No one knows what tape said anymore. How many tape people do we have in the room? Yeah, that's right. We are right. You are wrong. I'm going to sing the Irish right song. All right. So here we are. So evil, jealousy-filled men, they went back to the king. And what they did is they were holding the king to his word. King, didn't you say? Wasn't this written in the edict? Didn't you say that if anyone prays, anyone gives, anyone does anything to any other God except for you, they're going to be thrown into the, den, the lion's den? And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, gotcha. We got you now, sucker. Right? We got you. We got you. So what happened? Daniel was arrested and he was thrown into the den of lions. But here's what's interesting. If you study the scriptures, the king, this pagan king, he tried everything he could do to get Daniel out of that. He tried everything he could do to get him out of that situation. Did you know that he even fasted? He was up all night. He didn't eat any. He fasted and he prayed. This pagan king, he did everything that he could do to get Daniel out of this mess. He knew that God was able. Well, here's what happened. Number two, we're breaking this down. The unshakable, the unshakable, they don't hold grudges. Look at this right here. Daniel chapter 6, verse 19 through 23. Very early the next morning, the king got up. Remember, he'd been fasting, he'd been praying, he was, he was worried. He was worried about this. Other people entrapped him into making a law that he thought good was at the time, right? He thought good in the moment, you know, hey, this is good. You know, they're going to, you know, throw me a party, disco ball, everything like that. We'll learn the moonwalk all together. It's all good. Line dancing, cake. Maybe some strawberry rhubarb pie. How many likes that? How many hates that? You can't be friends with me on Facebook. But think about it. He thought it was a good idea. They, they entrapped him, but he was up all night. He was worried about him. He couldn't sleep. In other words, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was upon his heart. And very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried and went out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, uh, servant of the living God, um, was, was your God whom you serve so faithfully, was he able to rescue from the lions? Yeah, boy. Can you hear that? He was like, Daniel answered. Listen to what he answered. Long live the king. Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions of the mouths so that... Even the lions were fasting. Come on, think about it. My God sent for his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so that they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight. And king, I want you to know, I have not wronged you, your majesty. 
And the king was overjoyed in order that Daniel be lifted from the den and not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in his God. Now listen, what could have happened? Here's the other thing. Daniel, what are you thinking? Are are, Are you alive as your king? What are you talking about? Of course he did. He could have been salty. He could have held a grudge in that moment. He could have held a grudge. He could have held on to a fence. But instead, you know what he did? Long live the king. What in the world does that mean? He blessed the king even when he was thrown down in the lion's den. You see, the unshakable, the truly unshakable, they don't hold grudges. Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it's going to be yours. We all love that, right? That's, that's a whoop, whoop. That's, a, that's one of those scriptures where you're like, yes, I got it. But we fail to read the rest of it. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything I'm going I'm to strike a nerve right now. When you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you for your sins. You know what that means? If you're holding junk against somebody, God's going to hold your stuff against you. Y'all tracking with me? Eric, can you come here real quick? So you see what happens. Eric offends me, right? He does something, I'm wrong, and so he offends me. And so what happens is, is I... You've been in those before, haven't you? <laughs> he was like, Only here. <laughs> right? What happens is, is I, I lock him up because he's offended me. But what I don't realize, what's happening? Dude, stay where you're at. And wherever I am, for, when I hold a fence... I am chained to the one I am offended over. I'm chained everywhere I go. It doesn't matter as long as I am holding on to the stupid. Can I just, can I say stupid in the pulpit? Because I'm going to do it anyway, and you all know I'm going to do it. When I hold on to the stupid things, all it does I think that I'm keeping this person in check because I am now the warden. I'm just locking myself down too. The warden, where does he work? In the prison. You see, what really needs to happen is that I need to set him free So, okay, think about this. Think about this. I need, I need to set him free 
and the key won't come out and the illustration, that's just very awkward. There we go. I need to set him free in order for me to be free. Now think, you tell me what have happened with a pagan king if Daniel would have cussed the king. He could have had a right to cuss him, right? You good? You don't want to stand up here the rest of the time with me? I'm good. Okay, all right. Thank you. Thank you. But what happens is many times we give the knee-jerk reaction or sometimes we hold somebody to a place that they were at. Listen, you're going you're gonna to be shakable. If you hold on to a grudge, if you hold on to manipulation and you can see it all over your face, if you hold on to something, you are actually the one in captivity. Come on, that'll preach to someone here today. Is anyone even listening to this? All right. So the unshakable, they don't hold grudges. Daniel actually blessed the king when he could have cursed him. He could have cussed him, right? But here's what we've got to understand. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Don't sin by letting your anger control you. Why? Don't let the sun go down Why you are still angry. Why? For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Can I tell you this? A lot of our problems with people could be put to rest if we would just deal with it the day of. Because what happens is, is when you let that go, when you let that fester, what happens is, is you are opening the door for the devil to come in and to make it worse than it really is. Husbands, wives, and I don't have anybody in mind when I'm speaking about this. Husbands and wives, if you go two weeks without speaking to one another, That's the stupidest, most arrogant thing that you can do because you are allowing the devil to come in and wreak havoc on your marriage. I have heard of even pastors that are married not speaking to their wives for two weeks at a time because they're angry and they're frustrated. You are out of your ever-living mind because you're doing things that are contrary to God's word. I don't care if you're stewing. I don't care if you're up till three or four in the morning or you don't even sleep at all. You do not go to sleep unless you deal with that issue and, and get rid of that bitter, get rid of the bitterness and get rid of that anger. Let it go. Good grief, if even the Disney character can sing a song, let it go, Think that was Ariel, right? That would be frozen fish sticks. Y'all get that in a second. Ephesians goes on, Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It says this, get rid of all bitterness. 
talks about bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice, be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other just as in Christ he has forgiven you. Can I tell you, if you're holding bitterness against somebody else, that's not on them, that's on you. And I will dare say, if you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus Christ, first of all, you always check your heart. Don't look for someone else to blame. If you're struggling with blessings and how things are just going wrong, start checking yourself. Start checking your own heart. Start seeing if you've got bitterness against somebody else. Because if you do, you're not in a good place. You're with me? Say, "Uh uh-huh. I like this one, number three. The unshakable are exonerated. (laughs) So Daniel, chapter 6, verse 24. Remember, thrown in the lion's den is like, whoop, whoop, I'm okay. Long live the king. Shout out to you. Where do your mother? You know, he's all these different things. It was all good. So now Daniel, chapter 6, then the king gave the orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. And he had them thrown into the lion's den. And here's what's crazy. They they were just a wicked bunch. Throw them, their women, the women, their wives, and their children who had nothing necessarily to do with any of that. Throw them all in there. It was crazy time. And the lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. What it's showing is God is putting his favor on the righteous and the unrighteous he's lifting his hand from. Then King Darius, here's what's interesting. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world without social media. How does that even happen? Without a TikTok account. He sent this message. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble. This is a pagan king. Should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel... He prospered during the reign of Darius. And here's what's interesting. And the reign of Cyrus the Persian. He went from Nebuchadnezzar. He went from generation. He went from uh, rule and reign from every, no matter who was in office. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody right now. No matter who was in office, this is my guy. This is not my guy. This is my guy. This is not my guy. Whoever was in, he served God faithfully and God showed him favor. The anointing increased in his life, didn't decrease. We see people all the time, they're, they're moving in the things of God, and all of a sudden it seems like they take a down, downturn. Can I tell you, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be like that. Daniel worshiped God every, as a matter of fact, he worshiped him three times a day. Three times a day. 
He didn't have to start praying because he was praying, right? But they're exonerated, so let's apply that today. Right where we're at, let's apply it. Romans chapter 4, verse 7. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Guess what? You know what that means? That means you're exonerated because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are not found guilty because when God looks at you, he does not look with you with the sin-stained clothing and the wore-out living and the nasty, perverted things of this world because you've been covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, you've been exonerated. I love Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your sins. How many are thankful for that? Who heals all of your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. And he even satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. In other words, the, the, the Lord's not going to leave you treading water. You're going to soar. You're going to soar. You see, the unshakable are exonerated. God's got you covered. God has got your back. And then finally in Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11, I love this. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, he's talking about the devil here, the accusers of our brothers uh, uh, and sisters have been thrown down to the earth and the one who accuses them before our God day and night, the devil who brings false accusations and lies and seats, tries to desecrate your name and your family name and your reputation day and night, 24 hours a day. He doesn't stop. He's been thrown down from heaven for they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Do you understand that? Do you have that in your spirit? The enemy is defeated simply because of what Jesus has done in your life. Therefore, you can stand unshakable.